there's actually a direct correlation between loneliness and the amount of time that we spend in front of a, in front of a screen. Hey guys, welcome to Spirit Pig. This is the show that explores how to live a fulfilled life. I'm Duncan CJ and today I'm talking with Dr. Tal Ben-Shahar. Tal is an author, a serial entrepreneur and lecturer who taught two of the largest and most popular classes in Harvard's university history, positive psychology and the psychology of leadership. He is one of the world's leading experts on the topic of happiness and is the man behind the works Choose the Life You Want, being happy and happier, which have been translated into more than 25 languages and appeared on the top bestseller lists all around the world. And he has co-founded numerous companies, including the Whole Being Institute, Potential Life, and his most recently his project, Happier TV. Tal, thank you so much for being here and for talking to us today. Thank you. Great to be here. I mentioned it right at the end, but Happier TV, like I, I've, I've been watching like, you know, a lot of the videos. I've been on your website yourself early on today. Like, what's, what's that all about? Uh, well, you know, um, my, my background is in academia. You know, I taught uh, uh, a university class and I wanted to make the, the material more accessible to, uh, uh, to, to as many people as possible. So, so I had this idea of creating a Happier TV, which is uh, an online TV channel that brings many of the ideas from, uh, from research and make them accessible to, to people. Yeah. How to lead a happier life. <laughs> One video which uh, I watched from that, which I, I absolutely loved, I, I thought it was fantastic, was, um, it was, yeah, can you maybe just share? It was, it was an experiment done by a German psychologist called uh, Fritz, right. Fritz uh, Struck, I believe, um, where they were asked to hold a pencil. Can you, can you explain that? Sure, yeah. So, so this is one of the, the, the classic experiments. So, you know, I happen to have a pencil here. Um, didn't prepare in advance. <laughs> um, and what they found was that when people uh, held a pencil in their mouth this way, rather than this way, they were happier. Why? Because they put on a, put on a smile. Even if it was a fake smile, they didn't know that they were actually, their physiology was going to be tested. They, they became happier as a, just as a result of having that pencil in so in a sense it's like you know fake it till you make it uh, act as if you're happy or you, you may even become happier by the way th this applies even more so to, to other physical gestures so there's wonderful research by Amy Cuddy from Harvard Business School on postures showing that you know if, if we sit like this uh, you know with, with our hands up and you know in what she calls a power pose um, we, we're, we're less anxious happier more confident versus in, if we sit in a, in a low power pose uh, which would be, you know, maybe with our, with our hand on our, you know, hiding our, our, our neck and, 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 and stooped down, then that has a, a negative effect on our, on our well-being. So, so our physical posture affects our, our psychological state. It's funny. I'm glad, I'm glad. It's funny that you brought that up because, um, yeah, I mean, Amy's got um, an amazing uh, TED talk. Uh, and um, it's funny because one of my friends, um, Alyssa, the other day was going for a job interview. And I, I just recently watched uh, Amy's TED talk. And I said, right, I gave her a little pep talk. I was like, right, your physical psychology is linked with how you feel and stuff. So I said, you know, before you walk into the room, go and do like the superwoman, the Wonder Woman pose, you know, stand tall and, you know, be confident, like push your chest out. And actually, you know, you'll walk into the room, you know, that will, I couldn't remember which order is. It, it decreases the stress or something, increases, I mean, it, it's... Exactly. Yeah, cortisol goes down, 
testosterone goes up. So it's, it's and, 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 and people actually perform better on interviews when they, when they do that. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. I love it. And now positive psychology. I mean, we did an interview um, about five or six months ago and we, we, we touched on, you know, this, this subject and it was, it's basically, it's the science of happiness, isn't it? And, you know, in most psychology studies, um, most psychology studies, you know, sort of schizophrenia, anxiety, depression, but right. positive psychology it's actually looking at things in life which are working, you know, which make you know, life better, like love, happiness, joy. Is, is that correct? Yeah. So, so one way to look at it, you, know, you can look at human experiences on a continuum where you have uh, negative experiences, there is the zero point, and then there are the positive experiences. Most of psychology historically is focused on the negative. How do you get people from a negative you know, 25 or, or, or 3 to a zero? so that they're not depressed, so that they're not uh, anxious. Um, but psychology hasn't looked, uh, historically, hasn't looked at how do you get people to go from the zero to, to the positive. You know, and, and I, I equate it, uh, a, a metaphor or an analogy could be equating it to eating. You know, when it comes to eating, I can experience indigestion and then get rid of the indigestion. So it's getting me from the negative to the zero, but that doesn't mean I'm enjoying food if I don't have indigestion. So positive psychology is about enjoying food. Now, interestingly, uh, what has been found over the last few years is that it's not just about getting rid of uh, or just increasing the positive. So if I cultivate uh, my strength or, or improve my relationships and experience more love or enhance my levels of well-being and happiness or positive emotions, I'm not just going from that zero point to the positive. It also makes me more resilient. It also makes me better able to deal with difficulties when they arise. So it doesn't just help the positive. It actually also helps the negative indirectly. That's fascinating. And it's, I mean, it's a reasonably new study. And I know there's like, like the father of, you know, positive psychology, you know, you know, is, is, you know, reason recently, but, this went kind of like, how was Aristotle an early pioneer of, of this kind mm. of thinking? Yeah, so positive psychology as, as a field of study was officially formed in just 1998 by Marty Seligman, not that long ago. Um, but if you trace the roots of positive psychology, you can go uh, back within the field of psychology to Abraham Maslow, who in 1954 wrote about positive psychology, or all the way back to Confucius, Lao Tzu and uh, Aristotle and, <clears throat> and Plato, so thousands of years ago. So Aristotle, for example, talked about flourishing and what it takes to lead a, a, a happy life. And, you know, he talked about um, contemplation and, and friendship. So thinking and learning as, as one of the core elements uh, of, uh, of a happy life, whether it was by, by reading books or going to lectures or listening to podcasts. Uh, no, he didn't talk about that. <laughs> uh, and, 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 and friendship, spending quality time with, with, with people, people we care about as one of the foundations of happiness. And today we have the research to, to back it up. You know, he, was, he was right on the money. Amazing. And what, one of the sort of trends or quick fixes today is to try and sort of medicate our problems away, you know, medicate away you know, every painful emotion that we experience. Mm. Why is this just not, not the right approach? You see, um, medication is a, is a complex issue because there are cases, there are certainly cases, I mean, some of them I, I know intimately, where medication has, has saved lives. So there is certainly a place for it. The problem with medication comes when, um, 
we overprescribe. When someone is experiencing a, a painful emotion, you know, uh, their you know their girlfriend dumped them, or uh, or they, they did poorly on an exam, and they resort to to medication, or the the um, the, the, the medical um, um, the medical doctors prescribe um, psychiatric medication because the people are feeling down, and that's the wrong thing to do. So we overprescribe. That is the problem. Um, why? Because you know, if you go to a room and you know there are a hundred people in the room, and you you ask them to think back uh, to their uh, most important growth experiences, probably ninety-seven or ninety-eight of them will think about painful experiences. It was when you know the love of my life, or I thought the love of my life, dumped me, or when I didn't get a job that I really, really wanted, or you know I I didn't get into a program that out that that I thought would you know, is, 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 is my calling. And um, that's where I learned the most. That's when I grew the most. Now, if we medicate away every pain that we experience, we're not going to have these growth experiences. And by the way, this is important today. It's going to be even more important 10 years from now because medication is going to be a lot more uh, precise. It's not going to have the side effects that it, that it has today. It's going to be a lot more readily available. And then people are, whenever they experience uh, painful emotions, um, they're they're, they're going to go to it. It's going to be it's it's, it's going to be so easy to fix, and I think that's unfortunate. There's a lot of value in also not only of course, but also experiencing um, uh, pain and and disappointment and sadness and anxiety. It's all part of a full and fulfilling life. Mm. And one and that you translate how the actual the happiest people are those who open themselves up to this and allow themselves to feel that full range of emotions. Exactly right. You know, the, um, the, the, the Lebanese poet um, Khalil Gibran said that every time we, we, we experience suffering, it's like we're digging deep in our, into our container, our emotional container. And that container also then holds our pleasurable emotions. So it gets bigger with, with, with pain and we have a larger capacity uh, for joy. Yeah. An interesting study which I, I saw was... Um... I mean, it was on um, one of your videos. It was like after tragedy, people who actually break down, cry, share, you know, actually much more likely to get over that tragedy quicker, you know, than the people who say, you know, stiff up a lip, you know, okay, I'm going to pull through this. I'm, I'm going to be strong. Those yeah. people actually actually struggle for longer periods of time afterwards. Exactly. So the people who give themselves what I've come to call the permission to be human, <laughs> whether it's to talk about, to, to cry, uh, to go through the, the, the emotion and the motion, um, they're much more likely to experience what uh, psychologists today call post-traumatic growth um, and, to, and to develop as, as a result. Yeah. One of the number one predictors of well-being and happiness, and you, you mentioned it like right at the beginning, was this idea of spending quality time with friends and family. However, in the modern world, this amount of quality time is just eroding more and more and more. Like, yeah. what, I don't know, I'm not really sure what this question is, but is there, I mean, how can we approach this? Like, what, what's, what's the best way? I mean, recognizing this, I mean, is that half the battle to actually realize, you know, at least we can, we, we know we've got to put the steps in place to do something about it, or? Yeah, it's, it's both recognizing it uh, and putting the steps in place, because it's not enough to know, we need to actually do an act on it. Now, th this is a huge issue, and it's a huge issue in today's, uh, in today's culture because we spend less face-to-face -face time uh, with people. And uh, 
um, you know, FB time has taken over BF time, which is uh, which which is unfortunate. And again, I'm I'm not against Facebook. I think it's wonderful. You know, I just recently um, was contacted by a person I haven't seen for 33 years. It was my my best friend when I was 11 years old. Uh, so you know, Facebook is wonderful um, in 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 that way, but not if it comes in the way. Of, uh, of 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 actual meetings of actually getting you know together playing together in the sandbox, um, for two reasons. The first reason is because um, um, because one thousand friends on on Facebook are no substitute for that one BFF, and uh, and and second, uh, in terms of happiness levels, you know, there's actually a direct correlation between loneliness and the amount of time that we spend in front of uh, in front of a screen. So some screen is great, but too much screen, not great at all. Um, we need that, you know, that you know, to, 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 to be together and you know, to go to, 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 for meals together. And by the way, when we go for meals together, not to be texting all the time during those meals, to really be together, to switch off, to disconnect so that we can connect. So that's one thing. The second thing where it really hurts us uh, and potentially will hurt society in the long term is that levels of empathy are lower um, as a result of less face-to-face -face interactions. We develop empathy uh, not when we, you know, talk back on on uh, on the computers. We develop empathy when we when we when we play together, when we fight together, when we are, you know, in the same room together. Is that, that's what we call time affluence, is it? When that that's a really good quality time. Yes, yeah, so uh, Tim Kasser talks about, uh, the, makes the distinction between material affluence and time affluence. Uh, material affluence is, you know, well, actually not a very good predictor of, of happiness, not, not a predictor at all of happiness. And I'm not talking about, you know, people living in poverty, of course, you know, they, additional money for them would make them happier because they'd have food on the table and the basic needs met. But, but, but additional money doesn't make a difference. But time affluence, and that is the feeling that we have time to spend with people we care about to play, play is another key component of happiness. Uh, when we're not constantly chasing uh, our, you know, our own tails and, and, and feeling overwhelmed, time affluence is, is a key determinant of happiness. Yeah. And why do we especially, like, we, we were talking about how the modern world, like, as we are getting, you know, with email and stuff like that, you know, people are expecting, you know, quick responses and there's, we're getting, there's just more and more and more stuff happening. Like, why do we especially now, but anyway, need to simplify and actually focus on doing less stuff rather than more? Yeah, because, uh, we, you know, our, uh, our brains are still the same brains that we had uh, 5,000 years ago. They, they haven't changed much. And it's unhealthy for them to be constantly exposed to distractions. Um, there's, there's some lovely work done by Leslie Perlow from Harvard Business School, uh, and she writes about it in, in her book called Sleeping with Your Smartphone, <laughs> uh, where, where she talks about the fact that she talks specifically in the workplace, but it applies in, in other uh, realms as well, where we, where we just have too many distractions. And as a result of that, A, we're not performing at our best, so performance at work goes down, and, and that certainly applies in school and certainly applies in social relationships. And second, we're, we're, we're far less happy as a result. So she talks about you know, setting even an hour or two a day when we put that phone aside or when we disconnect from, from, from emails and, and, and just focus on one thing. And that one thing can be a meeting with a colleague 
or uh, a dinner with, uh, with, with a friend. Um, or it can be, you know, just w watching a, a movie and just doing that. That focus time, not all day, um, every day, but just some of the day to have what I've come to call islands of sanity uh, throughout the day. I think that, that, that's, that's so important to have. Yeah, we're having like, especially being in offices all day long and just, you know, being behind the computer, like, I think, what was it, our, our ancestors used to walk like up to sort of eight hours or eight hours or no, not eight hours, eight miles a day or something like that. Like We live a very sedentary lifestyle. What's the correlation between um, movement, exercise and active lifestyle and happiness? Because this is having a, a negative effect, isn't it? This very sedentary existence. Yeah, you know, this is something that really I cannot um, overemphasize. I'm not exaggerating when I say that every single day I get something, an email from an ex-student or, or from an academic journal or from, you know, popular press about a new study done in the area of uh, health and, uh, and exercise, both physical health and mental health. You know, that regular physical exercise has the exact same effect on our, on our psychological well-being as our most powerful psychiatric medication. You know, it releases the, the exact same uh, uh, chemicals. You know, it's serotonin, it's, uh, it's dopamine, it's norepinephrine, the, the feel-good feel chemicals in the brain. And um, not only that, it has the same effect with, with, without negative side effects. On the contrary, with positive side effects. Um, it, it actually makes us smarter. So being physically active, we, we, we concentrate better. We're more creative. Our, our brain is actually able to make... Um, better uh, connections, the neural networks are, are more flexible as a result of it. There, there are many benefits to physical exercise. It reduces levels of anxiety, increases happiness. It makes us you know, live longer and live better. I cannot overemphasize it. So, so if you're listening to this or watching this, as soon as this is over, go exercise. I love this because when you hear a lot of these things and these studies, I mean, like, it all kind of seems a bit... Um, sort of self-explanatory, but then when you suddenly, you've got now got the science and the data, rather than it just being like, oh, it seems obvious, now because you've got the science and the data actually backing up, which kind of just feels natural, I love it, it's kind of got that extra sort of emphasis, you know, like, okay, we've got no excuses now. Yeah, no excuses. What, what was the advice um, that you received from your philosophy teacher after graduating from college? Yeah, so, um, you know, after graduating from college, I must say I felt uh, initially a high, but then a low. I felt overwhelmed because in college, okay, yes, yeah, so I had to decide on a on a major. But once I decided that, it was pretty set. I knew what I what I was going to do. You know, take I have to take intro to philosophy, intro to psychology. Good life. But 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 after college, you know, what do I do now? Um, you know, do I go into teaching? Do I go into business? Do I go? You know, there are so many options in our in our world and. Uh, you know, I experienced, I didn't have the words then because uh, I didn't know the, the, that research, but I experienced the, the tyranny of choice, in the words of Barry Schwartz. Um, you know, the, the, there were many choices and I didn't know what to do, what would make me happy. And, and the thing is, whenever I started something, I immediately felt regret. Why didn't I start something else? So it was constant frustration. So what, I, what my philosophy teacher or had told me to do, he said, okay, just make a list. Make, make a list, first of all, of the things that you can do of the things that, that, that you think you can, you, you can be okay at. You don't have to be great at, but okay at. Um, and then out of that list, uh, make a, a sub-list of the things that, that you want to do. 
So I did that. And then he came back to me and said, okay, now make a list of the things that you really want to do. So I made it. And then he said, okay, now make a list out of that of the things that you really, really want to do. And then do that. So, you know, that helped me. You know, it's a very simple and basic uh, idea, but it helped me zoom in, focus on, on the things that were really important to me. Um, so that's the one thing. But, but he also said something else. He also said, and if you have regrets, no, he didn't say it. He said, when you have regrets, because you will have regrets, don't worry. It's natural. It's fine. Just continue doing what you're doing. What does a fulfilled life mean to you? A fulfilled life means a full life. It means a life where you are um, uh, having fun, where you're playing, where you're working, where you're struggling, where you're experiencing anxiety, where you make mistakes, where you have conflicts. You know, bring it all on. Bring it all on. You know, it's, it's uh, you know, um, it's, it's um, you, you never know where things lead. You never know. And the more you experience it, the more open you are to experiences, the more you will experience it and, 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 and the happier you will be. You know, for me, a big breakthrough in my, my happiness levels was when, um, when I embraced unhappiness as well. I mean, truly embrace, not just as a cliche. Yeah, you know, everyone experiences unhappiness. You know, everyone experiences anxiety and sad. When I really said to myself, when I was, when I was going through one of the lows, you know, I'm embracing this. This really is part of a full and fulfilling life. Big breakthrough for me. That's a great answer. <laughs> and what is one thing our listeners can do today that will have a massive positive effect on their lives? Well, we already uh, established that they are going to work out right after this, right? So in addition to that, um, oh, here's one thing. Here, so, you know, one thing that had a very powerful effect in, in, in research, actually the most powerful single effect in research, was writing a gratitude letter to a person you care about. But in a gratitude letter, it's not just a, a letter saying, oh, you know, you know, it was nice seeing you yesterday, thanks. It's it's it, it, it's a deeply felt letter where you really think about someone in your life who has made a difference. It could be mom or dad. It could be, uh, it could be your you know your 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 friend, uh, your partner, your roommate, whatever. But really, sit down and spend at least thirty minutes thinking about what this person means to you in your life. Write it down and then go to them and read it to them. Read that letter to them. Powerful stuff. <laughs> I'm going to start thinking like, yeah, who, who am I writing my letter to? <laughs> and do it once a month. Once start, a month. So it's actually start, make start it into today. a habit. Into a habit, exactly. A ritual. Oh, that's fantastic. And which book or books would you say have had the biggest impact in your life? Mm. So there are a few of them. Um, in terms of a, a, a fantastic book on, on relationships, it's a book by David Schnarch, Schnarch called... Uh, passionate marriage and it's not just for marriage it's for any relationship um so passionate marriage uh, a great book on bringing about change in our in our lives is a uh, a book by jeffrey schwartz called uh, you're not your brain you're not your brain and um, here is a, a a third book by sonia lubomirsky the how of happiness good books <laughs> Last but not least, how can people find out more about you, more about Happier TV? Where can we send them? Yeah, so uh, go check out my website, uh, talbenshahar.com. That has also linked to, uh, to Happier TV, which is happier.tv. 
Brilliant. Thank you so, so much for giving up your time today. I mean, it's been absolutely, I've loved it. I think you're even later than me. It's, was it, 10, 11.30 where you are. So I appreciate it really talking to me today. It's been so much fun. Thank you very much.